0: Where is the Word of God confronting you in your sin today? To repent, to ask for forgiveness when God's Word, when God's messenger calls us out in our sin. In an area of our life that's just wrong, we can easily become angry. That's one of the first reactions.
1: Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. I'm Steve Hiller and glad that you are with us today. And uh, Jonathan, you're, you're so right. Sometimes when we're confronted, with our sin our
0: first reaction is to get angry but why do, why do you think that is well i suppose one of the reasons for that is that we know full well that we've done wrong and our conscience has been telling us that and we've been trying to suppress our conscience and convince ourselves that you know what we're doing is perhaps not wrong and is 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 just fine But when someone calls it out and tells us what we know already is true, that that provokes a strong reaction, and I think we all know something of that experience. But we see it in the Gospel story so clearly and so profoundly uh, in the ministry of John the Baptist and in the ministry of Jesus Christ. As John calls out sin, it actually leads to his death. As Jesus calls out sin, there's an angry reaction, and ultimately he ends up uh, on the cross of Calvary because he has exposed the sinful human heart. And I, I think we need to reckon with this reaction in our own hearts. We need to see it, and with the help of the Spirit of God, we need to be humbled before the Word of God, humbled about our sin, and we need to be brought to a place, each one of us, of, of true repentance. And it's when we reach that point, we, we move past the pride and the anger, and we move to repentance and humility. That's when God can deal with us. And that's when we're able to respond to the grace of Jesus Christ.
1: Well, let's continue to look at this. We're in Matthew chapters 13 and 14 as we continue a message called The Prophet Who Offends. Here is Jonathan.
0: It's possible to fail to see him because of his humility and his humanity, but it's also possible to fail to see him because of another level of familiarity and that is the familiarity that comes from growing up in close proximity to him and by that i mean the familiarity that comes from growing up in the church in a christian family surrounded by the people of god and under the constant sound of the word of god and i don't know but that may be your story precisely as it were you grew up with jesus in your neighborhood even in your home you've always heard him you've regularly seen him in the people around you you've always felt that you've known him on some level but here's the thing you've never actually accepted him personally it's all familiar but it is not personal he's known to you but the truth of the matter is he is unknown to you and if you're being totally honest about it, your attitude is not unlike the people of Nazareth. You, you hear the teaching of Jesus Christ, and it actually kind of gets your back up. It gets under your skin. Sometimes it makes you mad. You don't really want to hear it if you're being honest, and you don't want to know. You're here, actually. You're listening. We're glad you are. But you're doing so to please other people. You're doing it out of some kind of sense of duty, but in your heart of hearts, there is a resistance to Jesus Christ, even an offense at his teaching. Perhaps that's you today. I expect it will be a number actually among us. No doubt there will be a number who are truly living in rebellion against Jesus Christ even though He has been so close and He has been so familiar throughout your life. If that is you and it may be you, let me invite you to look at the reaction of the people of Nazareth to Jesus Christ and look at them as a mirror to your own soul, for that is what they are, and ask this question, is this a reasonable response to Jesus? Is it reasonable? Does this make any sense as you analyze what is going on here? Can you see the folly of their rejection of the prophet of God, the messenger of God, the Savior, his Son? You see, proximity to Jesus is a tremendous gift. Growing up, knowing him, if you have, that is a tremendous privilege. But don't take that privilege. Please don't take it and allow it to turn sour in your heart as it can and lead them to scorn and offense and ultimately the rejection of the savior and king whom god sent from above to serve us it's very sobering isn't it to see the results of people's rejection of jesus in his hometown just notice that with me verses 57 and 58 And they took offense at him but Jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household and here's the result and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief friends you and I each one of us we are a people in need of a miracle from Jesus that is our reality We are a people desperately in need of his mighty work of healing of heart and of restoration of soul each one of us is born in sin and in alienation from God our hearts are diseased our future is hopeless our condition before God is that of guilty sinners facing the bleakness of condemnation and our only Hope is this, a mighty saving work of Jesus Christ. He went to the cross to pay the price of our sin. He shed his blood for our cleansing. He gave His life for our healing, and each of us needs this miracle of salvation to be applied to our lives. But here is what verse 58 is saying to us, and please don't miss this. Jesus' saving power is not applied and will not be applied where He is rejected. That's the bottom line. Jesus' saving power will not be applied to those who are familiar with him but who reject him in their heart. Don't be that person. Please don't be someone who is familiar with the Savior but who takes offense at him and pushes him away. You need his saving power, you need his healing touch that's the offense of familiarity next we see the offense of frankness and here we turn to john the baptist in the story of his very untimely end the connection points here are a little bit winding but i think we follow easily enough chapter 14 and verse 1 at that time herod the tetrarch heard about the fame of jesus and he said to his servants this is john the baptist he's been raised from the dead that is why these miraculous powers are at work in him Herod the Tetrarch, he is son of Herod the Great, whose kingdom was was then split between his sons. Herod the Tetrarch had been made Roman ruler over Galilee, the region where Jesus lived. When he hears about Jesus, some mixture of religious ideas, Probably some pagan ideas about spirits kind of returning from the dead prompts him to think that this great teacher is actually John the Baptist back from the grave. And now because of that connection in Herod's mind, we have a flashback. That's what's going on here. Herod may well have been having some bad dreams, I don't know, even nightmares about what he did to John. The story is ugly. But in any case, we now focus on John the Baptist for a few moments. Herod, a married man, had fallen in love with his half-brother's wife, whose name was Herodias. Herod ultimately divorced his wife, and Herodias divorced her husband, and they were married. And it was at this point that John the Baptist comes into the story. Verse 3, for Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Evidently, Herod lacked the political instinct of so many religious leaders. evidently John rather lacked the political instinct of so many religious leaders throughout time who learned to bury their principles and shelve their convictions when a powerful person wanted to do something unsavory. Rather than find justification and invent a way to condone this evil, John the Baptist did the politically and personally suicidal thing of actually calling out the sin. This is wrong, Herod. You cannot do this, Herod. You must not do this, Herod. It is unlawful. The prophet of God, he comes. He speaks God's truth boldly and without compromise. He's frank about sin. He pulls no punches here. Herod wants to put him to death on the spot, verse 5. But the people rightly recognize that John is a prophet of God. Herod is nervous about the political fallout. Herod may not be a good or morally upright man. He is not. But he has some functioning political instincts. Killing God's prophet may not help in the public opinion polls in Galilee. Better just grit your teeth and put up with the guy for now. Herodias, on the other hand, has neither forgiven nor forgotten John's offense in speaking against her and her new husband's grimy alliance. An opportunity for vengeance soon presents itself. On Herod's birthday, there is a party, there is a gathering at the palace, Herodias's daughter dances before the crowd herod is pleased and impressed and very rashly verse 7 promises on oath to give her whatever she wants as a little reward the girl goes to her mother and says i need some advice i've had this offer and here's what takes place verse 8 prompted by her mother she said give me the head of john the baptist on a platter that's the request Herod's not particularly enthusiastic he'd already decided against this course of action but now he's made a public promise on oath and he's got to carry through verse 10. he sent and had john beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother john the baptist a prophet sent by god he was in a real sense the last of the great prophets of the old era he spoke god's word And he deserved a prophet's honor and a prophet's welcome but here is the horror of the manner in which his earthly life ends beheaded at the request of an ignorant girl prompted by a vindictive and an immoral person his head delivered on a platter made a spectacle in death before a room full of feasting nobles it's unspeakably awful it's terribly dark. it's pure evil. Why did this happen? How could it have happened? John the Baptist was a good man. He's a man of integrity. He wasn't violent or dangerous or dishonest or untrustworthy. How could anyone behave in this way toward him? But you see, his offense was actually very, very great. His actions were not just annoying to Herodias. they were intolerable. What did he do? well he spoke with frankness about right and wrong he spoke with simple clarity about sin he called unapologetically for repentance and and that right there that is the heart of his offense that is the thing that got his head placed on a platter he did the one thing that invites fury from every sinful heart the exposure of sin the calling out of sin the demand of repentance and friends you and i we may not seek anyone's head on a platter but we need to honestly recognize that the fury and indignation we see within the heart of Herodias is to be found in your heart and in mine as well. We hate it. We hate it when God's messenger, when God's prophet, when God's word calls out our sin. We hate it, don't we?
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth of Jonathan Griffiths and a message called The Prophet Who Offends. Now, we need to pause right here, but we'll get back to today's message in just a moment.
0: Here at Encounter the Truth, we have a real heart to invest in equipping expository Bible teachers to serve the wider church faithfully and well. With that aim in mind, we have partnered with the Timothy Trust to facilitate training and equipping events for Bible teachers throughout the year. One event in particular I wanted to highlight is the Timothy Trust National Conference which will take place May 15th through 17th in Ottawa, Ontario. I will be joined there by two tremendous Bible teachers Alistair Begg and Ray Ortland, and we will be considering together how to preach the word faithfully in season and out of season. If you're a Bible teacher or know a Bible teacher who would benefit from this outstanding opportunity for equipping, please come to our website to find out more. It's EncounterTheTruth.org equipping. That's EncounterTheTruth.org equipping. And please join me, Jonathan Griffiths, along with Alistair Begg and Ray Ortland, in Ottawa, May 15th through 17th.
1: Well, if you missed the beginning of today's broadcast, we're in the book of Matthew, looking at the end of chapter 13 and the first 12 verses of chapter 14. So grab a Bible, join us there as we continue the message. Again, here is Jonathan.
0: When God's messenger, when God's prophet, when God's word calls out our sin, we hate it, don't we? exposes our wrongdoing, demands our repentance. We hate that because although we know full well that we're so often wrong and so often sinful, our conscience tells us that all the time, we like to try and convince ourselves that we're actually okay and we're in the right we're busy doing that and we especially love it don't we when we find those around us who will help us justify our sin and will give us license and encouragement just to keep going in sin and we may be very very effective actually in gathering around ourselves in surrounding ourselves with people who will say exactly what we want to hear when we want to hear it who will confirm us in our desire to keep on doing whatever it is we are doing and living However it is we are living, but the Word of God, it always confronts us in our sin. The messenger of God is sent to call out transgression. The prophet of God is sent of God not to pander to our selfish desires, but rather to be frank and honest with us that's what john the baptist did it's what the word of god does it's what faithful messengers of god will do today and friend i don't i don't know your situation but it may well be that you are today living in a way that you know is wrong and it may well be that you are angry today because you know that god's word is calling you to repent to stop to turn to make a fresh start as that happens it makes you so cross makes you so angry perhaps a Christian believer has said something to you a believing parent, a friend maybe you've heard me or another pastor saying something from the, the pulpit and you know what if you're honest it just makes your blood boil can you see today how ugly is the reaction How ugly is the reaction of the sinful heart that would go so far as to put the head of the prophet of God on a platter? Friend this ugly story and it is so ugly it presses upon each one of us an urgent question and here it is where is the Word of God confronting you in your sin today? where do you need to own up to your wrongdoing where is it that you need to respond in humility to the word of god to repent to ask for forgiveness where do i when god's word when god's messenger calls us out in our sin in an area of our life that's just wrong we can easily become angry that's one of the first reactions as a pastor i've seen it myself i've learned over time i've learned over time that when folks sit down with me and you know tell me Oh, i'm I'm having some doubts now about my faith i'm not sure i can believe anymore i think i've grown past this now become too sophisticated when they sit down with me and especially if there's an edge of anger there as there often will be in those conversations i've learned that the issue is almost never that they can't believe what the bible says about god and who he is that's usually not the issue at all the issue is almost always that they won't accept what the Bible says about them and how they should live I've often recalled the story of the evangelist Billy Graham and his associate Chuck Templeton you probably heard it before but some haven't it carries weight I think so I'll share it again in his early years Billy Graham had an associate preacher a Canadian actually by the name of charles chuck templeton chuck was intellectually gifted and he was a capable speaker in some respects his gifts perhaps exceeded billy's they carried out their evangelistic campaigns together and it was very effective but over time chuck became increasingly uneasy began to have doubts and one day he sat down with with billy and he said to billy you know i i can no longer accept the bible as being the true word of god It it doesn't intellectually add up Billy Chuck drifted further and further away and years later. He wrote an influential book entitled farewell to God My reasons for rejecting the Christian faith Billy gave a fascinating interview where he spoke about Chuck and he made the bold observation and this is the point I just wanted to draw out Chuck said he had a problem with the faith that was intellectual Billy, in his simple, and I would say prophetic way, said it was not intellectual. He said the problem was moral. Chuck did not want to accept the moral teaching of the Bible. He was on his third marriage, I think, by the time the book was released, and Billy said that was the issue, not anything else. The public rejection of God in the release of that book, it Okay, it wasn't John the Baptist's head on a platter, but it was an aggressive public rejection of God and his Word. When God's Word challenges us calls us from sin the reaction of the sinful heart can be very very angry and it can be very very ugly and So friends knowing that that is true. Let me ask you. Is there anything in God's Word that you have read of late Anything you've heard from a faithful messenger of God, a Bible teacher, preacher, a believing friend, or a family member, is there anything that has just got your back up? You've you've heard it, and it's made you angry. Teaching on honesty, or integrity, or sexual conduct, or financial stewardship, or self-control. Is there something that has given rise to anger within your heart if if so and only you will know if so please do not ignore that please don't gloss that over pay attention to it it is probably the very place where you need to do business with God it's probably the very place where you need to address your sin and seek forgiveness in Christ which is only too ready to give And maybe for some among us it is the very prompt that you need today there is an urgent matter that you need to address before the Lord don't delay in that make it your business to deal with that not this week or this month or this season make it your business to deal with that this very day the prophet of God (laughs) The message sent from heaven, the gospel of grace, it can evoke the most bizarre reactions from the world. Scorn, contempt, offense, anger. We should not be surprised. The Bible has warned us. But our main concern should not be the surprising reaction of the world all around us, actually. Our main concern should be this, to ensure that in my heart, And in your heart, the Word of God finds a ready reception, a willingness to repent, a joyful acceptance of the gospel of grace.
1: Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth, wrapping up our message, The Prophet Who Offends, the first in our series, In the Presence of the King. Now, I hope you make it a point to join us for each and every broadcast, but if you ever miss one, come and listen online. Our website is EncounterTheTruth.org, and you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. You could also listen if you have the Encounter the Truth app. Go to your favorite app store, search for Encounter the Truth, and that's a great way to take Jonathan's teaching with you on the go. Well, this ministry is listener supported and counter the truth. And Jonathan's teaching is able to be on this station through your financial generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book called acts to the ends of the earth. And Jonathan, what is the benefit to the person who uses and reads
0: this book? Well, the book of Acts is such an exciting part of the Bible story and such a crucial part of the New Testament witness to the work of Christ in the early church through his spirit. And I think it can be a part of the Bible that we actually don't know very well, and we come to a little bit after perhaps learning the, the story of the Gospels and the ministry of Jesus. But seeing how the Word went out and how the church was built, these things are are crucial building blocks in our Christian understanding. And I think this will be a wonderful resource for helping us to dig into the book of Acts and to learn that story of the early church and how the gospel went out. But I I also want to say, if you have someone in mind who you really want to encourage in their own Bible reading, maybe a younger Christian, maybe a child or a grandchild, a niece or a nephew, and you think, I'd love to encourage them in the habit of reading the Word of God and getting into the Word daily, this is a tool and a resource to help us in our Bible reading. And it might be something you could get hold of and prayerfully give away to someone you're wanting to encourage in that way.
1: Well, we would love to send you a copy of this book. Again, it's called Acts to the Ends of the Earth, and it is our thank you for your financial support. You can give online. Our website is encounterthetruth.org or call and give a gift over the phone. The number is 833-99truth. Again, the website is encounterthetruth.org and our phone number is 833-998-7884. For Jonathan Griffiths, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.